Well, Christ Community Church, it is a blessing to be here amongst you. Uh, I do look forward to getting my whole family up here in the next few weeks because I know they are very, very excited to be here with you guys. Um, my, good, my desire this morning is to start, out, um, to start out my preaching ministry with you. Ooh, hey, let there be light. If you couldn't see the shine on my head with the oil, that now it's, uh, pray for those in the front row. Um, my desire for you guys is to start out my preaching ministry with a passage that I ended my last um, preaching ministry and began that one. It's a passage of scripture that is powerful. It's such a passage that it has radically changed Christianity throughout the world. It's a passage that moved on men like Martin Luther, that to, to move him from being a, a priest who is in the Catholic Church and flogging himself and beating himself up with guilt over struggles of sin that he still had. And when he came across this passage and translated it from the Greek, all of a sudden, it said, he, he, he records that, that he felt the warmth of the Holy Spirit come upon his heart. And it radically changed him so much that his eyes were open to true conversion of walking with the Lord. That he would begin a radical new ministry to hopefully try to reform the church, but eventually begin what we now call the Protestant Reformation. Other men would come across his writings about this passage. Men like John Calvin and John Wesley, both themselves struggling with the same issues he was. About how do we follow Christ and, and, and the struggles of sin and back and forth. And they came across his writing on this passage that we're going to look at in Romans chapter 1. And the same radical warmth of the Holy Spirit came upon them. So we have movements and teachings by these great men. It's a passage that I desire for you guys to put in front of you. And I'm going I'm, to I'm apologize to the guys running the, 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 um, the slides. I'm going to cut some things short because I know we have a business meeting. But I could not begin my ministry here without talking to you about the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to just be in three verses. Romans chapter 1, verse 15 and 17. So I want to read this to you and I want to pray. Because my desire for you is not just to preach the gospel, but for the gospel of Jesus Christ to come alive in your life. That what Paul says to a group of believers about the gospel, we all need to hear ourselves. Not just once. Not once a year, not once in a while, but daily. Daily being reminded of the power of the gospel. And if that will take place here at Christ Community Church, what will happen is you will see Jesus Christ all of a sudden going from somebody we, we, we worship on Sundays and, and, and pay homage to, to you want to live and breathe the truth of this in every aspect of your life. That it will change your marriages if you're blessed to be married. It will change your singlehood if you're blessed to be single. It'll change your parenting. It will change your work. It will change your life. That Jesus Christ is not who we just worship on Sunday, but who we depend upon daily. 
So with that, let me read this to you. Paul says, so I am eager, excited, impassioned to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. These are believers. And in verse 16 he says, why? Why am I excited? Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, that's the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is the word of God for the people of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. Teach us this morning. Speak to my heart. Speak to all of our hearts. Draw us close into you. That we will know the power of the gospel. That we will be people who live by faith. Who proclaim that power. Who encounter that power. That it's not just for our conversion, but for our sanctification. To give us the joy of the Lord until we are united with you. May your gospel truth grab hold of us. May your Holy Spirit fill this place and continue to fill this place. Move in the men, move in the women, move in the children who are here. That we might not be ashamed of the gospel. But encounter its power every day, all day. We ask this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. Let it be so. So what makes a person feel shame? Shame is a, is a if you, we've all had that moment. We've all had that time. Probably if we sit and we start telling stories about high school, start telling stories about our youth, start telling stories about our life, we have those moments we're really proud of. And then we have those moments we really do not. We're so glad social media didn't exist when we were growing up. Amen? We're so glad that not everybody had a, a cell phone camera recording every silly, stupid thing we ever did. But yet, our minds don't forget, do they? Our bodies at times don't forget the stupid things we have done. We remember shame. Shame is something that when you think about something you've done wrong, something you've done foolish, something that is not accepted by family, friends, school, church. We feel it. Sometimes we use the word guilt because that's what sits on us, is this feeling of conviction, of guilt, of things we know we're like, yep, I'm guilty of. I did that. Really wish you keep bring, stop bringing it up. And Satan wants to keep bringing it up. And sin wants to keep bringing it up. It's like a drum beat for some of us in our heart. You're not worthy. You're not loved. You feel that beating and that beating and that shame. You feel it. You hear it. Sadly, sometimes we wake up with it. 
and it drives your life. I've got to accomplish this. I've got to prove myself this way. I've got to do this and do that so that I will be loved, so that my shame will be forgotten, so that my failures won't be remembered. I've got to prove myself to get love. Be a good wife. Be a good mom. Be a good husband. Be a good father. You're not good enough. Maybe it's just me, but I hear those drumbeats. But how do we battle that with the gospel? The good news. The word gospel in the Greek really refers to, started being known throughout the Greek world because the Greeks had, con- had, had defeated the Persians in two different battles. So much so that, they, that, that the Persians had been conquering most of Greece and, the, and, and when they had defeated them and chased back this great mighty Persian army, which fictional movies like 300 and all that kind of stuff try to portray, they sent heralds to every city and every town and every, proclaiming the gospel. We've defeated the enemy. You are no longer slaves to that king. You are no longer under his oppression. We defeated him. You are free. You are free. You are free. It's the term and the concept, the good news message. See, Jesus comes along and says, Oh, I got a gospel. I've got a gospel that was, is, isn't just, oh, it's good news on Facebook. Oh, that I like. It's not something you like. It's not something, oh, I applaud this. It's not a political party. I vote for that. I approve. No. It's power. Power that frees you. Power that changes you. Power that remakes you, not just from being a, a sinner who needs to be converted. But it's power that now resides upon you because of what that message means. You who, have, who believe, who trust in it, who, 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 who build your life upon that message, that while we were yet still sinners, Jesus Christ, who is God, came, Humbly, like a baby, lived with us, died for us, rose again for us so that the wrath of God because of our sin would be taken off of us and poured out on him. So that the slavery of sin that resides in your heart, in your flesh, in your mind, and the abuse that you've incurred from that would no longer define who you are. You are free. You are set free. We need to hear the gospel. So Paul, he's writing to believers. And in in verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why would I be ashamed of it? Now, don't get this wrong. There's a big difference between being shamed for the gospel and being ashamed 
of the gospel. If you believe in the gospel, if you give your life to follow the good news of Jesus Christ and let that pour over you and lead you and fill you and change you, there will be coming times over and over again where people will want to shame you for the gospel. They will want to make you feel less than. Our culture loves to shame. You're a bigot. You're homophobic. You're, you're exclusionary. You're wrong. Your truth is not a good truth. Your freedom is not freedom. You're a fundamentalist. We use words, we don't even know what they mean anymore. And they want to shame you of the good news. And what, here's the thing. Paul goes through the same thing. What we're dealing with here is not any different than what Paul, they wanted to shame him. Wait, one God? Why one God? We got a lot of gods. I got a God for everything. I got a God for shoelaces. The Roman soldiers had a God for their boots. I'm not kidding. They had gods for every, why, why one God? Because we don't need any other God. Because no other God has come, has come, lived amongst us, lived like us, tempted as we are, lived for us, died for us, rose for us. No other God. So whatever your other God is, your boot God cannot do that. Why would you be ashamed? Don't be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why would people shame us for the gospel? In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says this, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. There it is again. Those who are lost, those who, are, who, who don't know the truth, who have not trusted in the truth, it sounds like folly, foolishness, silliness, why would you want to follow a God? I, I'm the God of my own life. That's our American motto. I, my freedom, my ways, my will. I determine what is good for me. It might be good for you to follow a made-up fairy tale, pixie dust Jesus. But I'm going to follow science. Because science is never wrong. <laughs> I'm going to follow Logic, because logic's never wrong. <laughs> I'm going to follow this. I'm, I'm, I'm in I determine what's good for me. That seems like folly, foolishness. But to those who are being saved, to those who have trusted and believed, there is power. Not our own. Not my own will be done. But His will is being done. His power is being done. His gospel work is being done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. His work. That's what I desire for you, church. So hear this. This will happen to you. If you take pride in the good news of Jesus, I'm going to give you a warning right now. There's the doors. If you seek to follow Christ and have pride in the gospel, there will come shaming upon you. There's very good reason then to say, I don't know if I want to follow that. 
but it's very powerful for us who see the truth. How do I not have shame in the gospel? Well, we go right back to the gospel. We look to Christ. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, the author of Hebrews talks about our Lord and Savior as the founder and perfecter of our faith. And he says that for the joy, so he's perfected our faith. We don't have to. He created our faith. We don't have to. And he says, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus, he endured the cross, despising the shame. How did Jesus despise the shame of the cross? Because he fixed his heart. He fixed his eyes on the joy that was set before him. The glory that was to come. The power of resurrection. The empty grave is what he set his eyes on. The seat next to his father is what he set his eyes on. The eternal pleasure and joy of being with the father is what he set his eyes on. Your redemption, your freedom, your salvation is what he set his eyes on. And if that is what he set his eyes on, the author of Hebrews says that's what we are to do. That's what our faith is. He set the example. How do, we shame, how do we despise the shame? Because we set our eyes on the gospel. We set our eyes on that power of resurrection. We set our eyes, we fix our eyes on Jesus. When an athlete's going through tough times, it's not the pain that they get excited about. It's not the endurance that they're like, oh good, my season is going terrible. Yay! They look to the hope of the next victory, the next win. They set their eyes on, this will turn around. This, there's where the victory is. There's where the Super Bowl is. I ran and I've done multiple triathlons, which basically tells you I'm crazy. Um, because they are an endurance, painful sport. I do not understand why I like doing it. But you, I do not set my eyes when I'm running, when I have to swim, bike, and then run. I do not set my eyes on, oh, there, this is going to be painful. Set my eyes on the finish line. Set my eyes on the end. There's the medal. There's the finish. I'm going to give all. I'm going. I'm going to endure for the prize that is set before me. The gospel is. Setting your eyes on the prize. Enduring this world and this struggles for the prize. Something greater. This is not heaven. No matter what Joel Osteen wants to preach to you, this is not your best life ever. The best life is to come. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross to make this life better. He gave, died on the cross to give you a new life. And it begins today, but it doesn't end today. It's coming. It's coming. It's like when you go to the grocery store and they got those little sample trays. Anybody else have, have that? When they, they're out there and they, they, they've got the little microwave or whatever. They're heating up the thing. And they got the little thing to taste. You're like, oh, this is good. And then you go shop and you come back around and you get a couple more. I don't need lunch. I'm just going to go and get, you know, <laughs> you know. They're like, stop sampling and buy it. That's what we're, we're he, Paul is saying. You don't need a sample of the gospel. Buy it. And you can start having this meal every day, all day, 
all the time. Buy into who Christ is, and this power begins to work in you. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ belongs to you and is yours because the Holy Spirit is now able to be with you. Christ paved a way for God to be with you. Man was trying to get to God, and he's like, um, I, I've got a plan. I've got a way. I'm going to pave your debt so that God can dwell with man. Jesus is the example. Emmanuel, Christ with us. He came to be with us, to die for us, so that he can now dwell with us. And one day, we get to dwell with him. We get to go be with him. But right now, we get the joy of him dwelling with us, moving in us, grabbing us, teaching us, leading us. Because the gospel, the good news of what Christ did, it's not something we should be ashamed of. It has power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's not just your conversion, my friends. Yes, it is the power to take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. Yes, the gospel has the power to take a, a, a lost man and make him found, a blind man and let him see. Yes, the gospel has the power to take an addict and make them free in Christ, to take an absolute notorious sinner who has killed Christians and radically changed them into being the greatest apostle that the world has ever seen for the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ has power. But it's not just for your conversion. It's for your sanctification. It's for your joy to walk and live with the Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. If we're able to bring that up. Thank you, guys. God chose you as his first fruits to be saved or for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit, and belief in the truth, in the gospel. The gospel sanctifies you. The gospel is what grows you into believing. The gospel, the more you set your eyes on the gospel, it radically changes you. Nothing else in the world except the good news of Jesus Christ, that he paid it all, he did it all, he rose it all, and you just trust and walk by faith in him is all you need. There's no other power like it. No other message like it. Islam. Hey, we'll see. Can we weigh out our good and our bad? Maybe I can do enough good and please God that it outweighs all my bad. Buddha. Hey, we're going to meditate. We're going to get into great positions. I mean, get real flexible here. And we're going to hope and, and try to connect with the supernatural. Hinduism. I don't know which blue God to pray to, but one of them is going to lead me to something maybe I can appease them and appease the right ones. Even Judaism. Because it's looking for a savior and denying the truth. None of them have hope. None of them have freedom. None of them have power to radically change you like the gospel. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is what we need to preach to our souls every single day. I'm watching my clock here, so I'm going to skip some stuff. 
Here's what I want to ask you, church family. Very simple. My question for you, Christ Community Church, do you individually and will you as a church feed on the gospel day in and day out? Will you preach the good news of Jesus Christ to your soul? Will you preach the good news of Jesus Christ to your sin? Will you preach the good news of Jesus Christ to your addictions? Will you preach the good news of Jesus Christ to your children, to your grandchildren, to your family? Will you not be ashamed of the gospel that so much so that you will preach it to yourself first and then preach it to your family, preach it to your friends, preach it to your neighbors, preach it? Why? Because if we sit and wait for it to magically happen, it won't. The gospel is the good news that has to be preached. It has to be proclaimed. And we are called to follow that good news, be changed by that good news, and proclaim that good news. It is not my job to save this town. It is Christ's job to save this town through Christ's community church. He wants to use this body, these believers, who say, I believe in that truth. I believe in that gospel. I believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to reach the lost, to disciple the lost, so the lost are helping make more lost into found. And to live out that power, that love, that truth in our lives every single day. We need it on the farm. We need it in the schools. We need it in our homes. It is a good news. Let us not be ashamed. Because it was the power of Jesus Christ to save the Jew and the Gentile. The sinner who becomes saint. That's what Jesus Christ wants for you. So my desire, my passion for you, my, where God is going to take us as a church is to be gospel-centered in everything we do. Preaching the gospel, living the gospel, discipling in the gospel, training how to live and work out the gospel in our lives. Whether you've been a, a, a saint of the Lord for 80 years or 8 seconds, we need daily to hear the gospel. We need to preach it. And in that, we will know the power. And we will live in the freedom and the truth of our Lord and Savior. And we will see our lives change. And when our lives are on fire, guess what? That fire spreads. It has to start here. Here. So that is my prayer right now for us. Is that the, your heart would hear the gospel and how much God loves you. For while you were yet still a sinner, far from God, he chose to save you and bathe you in his love. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your power to set us free. 
May we never lose sight of your gospel. May we learn how to speak the love of God to our own hearts. And may our hearts be filled with that love. May we speak your grace and your mercy to our hearts because our heart needs it. Our broken bodies need it. Our souls need to be encouraged in your love. Set us ablaze, O Lord. Set this church on fire. Set, it, set my life on fire and every life here on fire for your good news so that we can proclaim as Paul, we are not ashamed. We are saved by faith, trusting in you and faith alone. Lord, move in this church. Move in all of us that we might make much of you, Jesus. We ask and we pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said.